you would like to be a sponsor for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike, email me, michaelwooten at mychristchurch.com. Well, welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Across from me, Shane Bishop. My name is Mike Wooten. We're glad that you're joining us for the show today. In this episode, we will talk about part two of Rethinking Success. Shane wrote about this subject on his professional Facebook page. You can find more about it there. Just search on Facebook, Rev. Shane L. Bishop. Shane, how are you doing today? It's so good to see you. You look great. Well, I know I do, Mike. And uh, <laughs> You didn't need that from me. No, 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 no. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm glad that we're uh, that we're recording a few of these navigating change things again. Well, I love to do them, but I want to stay on your looks here. Mm-hmm. You got a little tan. Have you been outside doing anything? What yeah, have you been up to? I had, I had June off, uh-huh. so we vacated half of it. We staycated half of it, and uh, staycate when you live in a cabin. Yeah. involves a lot of work. Let me tell you something, Mike. It is no coincidence that people vacation in cabins but live in houses. Cabins are a lot of work. So I have been staining and sealing my entire cabin. I figure by the time I'm done, it's going to take 80 hours of my life. I'm outside. It's hotter than six kinds of smoke. So in my free time, this <laughs> yeah. is what I do right so, now. So that's what you're doing on half of your vacation. That's, that's correct. That's and, correct. And it's continuing. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Vacation that just so, keeps giving. That's correct. It, it is the vacation that keeps giving. But I feel great. Uh, you, yeah. you go out, you work hard, and uh, all good, man. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Well, we are in the second part of uh, Rethinking Success, Shane. Like I said earlier, you have some thoughts on this. Uh, on your I have pers- thoughts on all kinds of stuff. You Mike. do. It's and, just uh, believable. But, you know, we love them all, Shane. Every <laughs> single one of those thoughts. Of course you do. We do. We do. So we're in the second part of this. So, Shane, you've been talking about some characteristics that you've noticed in successful people. Had a great time talking about it in the last episode. What do you have for us uh, now? Well, one of the things we talked about last time is that social media kind of has become the new trophy case for success. You call it the highlight reel. But people only put out the good things in their life. And we begin to think that that should be normal. But it's not even normal for them, much less us. So there's a a little bit of, uh, of an illusion around that. The other thing that I'd like to kind of lean into a little bit today is this idea that success is materialistic accumulation. Because we live in a society, I think uh, maybe it was Esquire magazine a long, long time ago, said the one with the most toys wins. And I think in a materialistic, uh, capitalistic society, sometimes we can get thinking that success is about accumulation. And what I would want to just remind everybody is, if, if success is about accumulation only, then and the people on the reality show Hoarders... Mm-hmm would be the most successful people in the United States because they get all kinds of crap. Yeah. I mean, their houses are so full of material things, they don't even really have a pathway to get through their house. The more storage you need, the more successful you are. So I think even as we think through that, we see that it's just filled with holes. Okay, Shane, so you've kind of set the stage for us. What's one of the next characteristics? Well, we talked last time that we need to define success for us, stay positive, be present where we are, work hard at the right things, be a risk taker, not a gambler, and make a difference. 
So one of the things that just really strikes me about successful people, and I'm going to exclude successful politicians, because politicians today don't do this, but my next point would just be take personal responsibility for failure. Mm -hmm. You know, politicians today run on a platform that every bad thing that happened during the administration of their predecessor was their predecessor's fault. Then they get elected and take responsibility for jack nothing. (laughs) Just nothing. I don't see successful people. That may be a political strategy, Mm -hmm. but I don't see successful people doing it. I see successful people taking responsibility for failure. They own their failure. They learn. They grow from their misses. They... Their miscalculations, their miscues are all something that they own and they grow from and they don't try to deflect, uh, to deflect personal responsibility. They own it. Why do you think it's so hard for people to take responsibility for failure? Do you think that it's people with lower self-esteem have a hard time doing it? Do you think it's getting back to the trophy case? Or why can't people just say, you know what, I'm going to take the L on this one and and just move forward. What are some of those factors? Well, people really struggle with that, don't they? Just taking the loss. (laughs) You know, I I think one of it is, I think we've been somewhat acculturated into not taking responsibility for our own actions because there's good money in blaming others. Hmm. There's entire industries built up around helping people blame others for every bad thing in their life so they don't have to take responsibility for their own lives. And so I, I do think there's a certain amount of acculturation that has to do with that. We, we, we blame this, we blame that, it's, it's this, it's that. But I love the sentiments of the old spiritual. It's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, right. standing in the need of prayer. And one of the things around here, Mike, I'm pretty big on is something happens and goes wrong here. It, it's my fault. Mm. I may not have known about it. I may not have had any involvement in it at all. Right. But if something's my fault, I can fix it. Right. If it's not my fault, then I am absolutely powerless yeah. in an impersonal cosmos. I also think someone taking personal responsibility gives everyone else the opportunity to move on. Not only can I uh-huh. move on if I take the, the L, other people can. Okay, that's right. someone's taking responsibility mm-hmm. for this. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to keep it in our brain like that's still kind of lingering yeah. or whatever that is. And uh, we can just say now we can finally move on. I know children, even children of, of like divorced parents, let's say a dad walked out of a child's life and now they're my age even, you know, it's, it happened 50 years ago, right? 60 years ago. And yet I listen to their stories, and it's sort of like, you know, if if that parent would just own it. Oh, my gosh. If they would just yes. own it, yes, uh, it would set me free. <laughs> yes. Y- you know? Yes. And, and so a part of that is just owning it. Yeah. What would happen if we went back through our lives and the mistakes we made, instead of trying to rationalize them and justify them, what happen, would happen if we just own them? We might not only set ourselves free, we might set a lot of other people free as well. Right. Another characteristic I know you've talked about, Shane, that you've seen with successful people is to make other people successful. Oh. Is to make other people successful. What do you mean? If you look, and, and I think social media could be a good example of this, but people who aren't successful resent the success of others. <laughs> Successful people rejoice in the success of others. And if you can't celebrate the victories of others' people, there's really something wrong with you. Mm. And so for me, 
success always wants to be shared. Success elevates other people. Uh, you know, the, the rising tide raises all the ships. And, and I do think that is a characteristic I see in successful people. For example, why would a successful person mentor a younger person? There's nothing in it for them. A younger person's not going to buy them lunch or take care of them when they're old. But why would they mentor someone? I think it's because they want to see success shared. I think there is something about true success that wants to be communicated. It wants to be passed on. And it always elevates everyone around you. Is it a little bit even parental in terms of seeing uh, your kids or someone, seeing your own kids kind of uh, go farther in life or do well in life? Is there any type of parental connection, do you think, with with the idea of seeing other ones, other people succeed? That's kind of interesting thought. I've never really pondered that much. But I, I do think, I, I know that being my age now, uh, I look at a lot of young people who do what I do, and, and I do think there is a little bit of a, it's not really a big brother, big sister kind of thing, because I'm not five years older than them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm as old as their parents, perhaps, right. maybe even as old uh, as, as their parents and some change. Yeah. And, and so I do think there is something that you, you, you care about somebody, you want to do everything you can yeah. To help them in any way possible, I do think it's somewhat altruistic. Yeah. I don't want to go on a rabbit trail too much here, but I always hear pro athletes talk about like uh, seeing their kids succeed in pro sports. Uh, it brings them more joy than they had when they played, uh, and I always find that fascinating. My children are very young, and yeah. uh, you know they're still. The, I'm very proud of them, and, and Nora is already starting to get all these little awards, but. I don't fully understand that yet, right. but I, I'm kind of looking forward to that experience. You know, like even you talk about grandkids, what it's like to have grandkids. I have no idea what sure. it's going to be like, but it's one of those things. Sometimes I reflect upon and say, uh, I wonder what that's going to be like as my children kind of move forward in life, and, and what that will feel like as a parent. Well, being a grandparent is all the joy of being a parent divorced of any responsibility. <laughs> I mean, think about it, Mike. It is it is as good as life possibly sure. gets. So I think that piece is there. But I do know that you know I've had people who've worked on our staffs over the years. I've had uh, young pastors. I've coached that that I've mentored. I know I rejoice in their success. You know, when yeah. they do well, I am happy. It, it brings me joy. Yeah. And it's not that they're going to mention me in their in their speeches. Sure. It's just me knowing that in some small way, sure. I played a role in developing a significant life. Gives me great joy. Whether that's a parental kind of thing or not, I do think there's something to it that when we give of ourselves to help other be, people be successful, and they are indeed successful, it does give something it gives back, back to us. It gives back, yeah. It's, it's, it's like the jelly of the month club, the gift that keeps it on giving. Keeps getting, it just keeps giving. Does someone tell you what I'm getting you for Christmas? Jelly of the month club? Yeah. I'll, I can't wait. I know. I can't wait. What else do you have for us today, Shane? Uh, successful people prepare for future opportunities. Uh, I am a believer that over the course of a lifetime, there's only a handful of defining moments. You get these windows. They may come once, twice, three times in a life. 
Being prepared to stand and deliver when those moments arrive, I think, is the testimony of every successful person. Mm. I think they can look back and say, this is when it happened for me. You know, I, I know in my life and career, I could point to two or three uh, pieces of recognition I got at key times or opportunities to speak at certain venues had those not gone well. Your career goes one way. If yeah. they go real well, your career goes another way. Being prepared to stand and deliver when the opportunity comes. So puts a lot of pressure on someone. Like the, how it's being presented by you right now, right? Yeah. But I, it's part of that loving the process, loving what you do so you are ready. Because if That's you right. think there's only going to be a couple moments that are going to yeah. define, maybe give you whatever your definition of success would be mm -hmm. or a person's, uh, you, you got to love a process. You got to find something you love, right, Shane? You, you do. And, and for me, it's a little bit like deer hunting. I, I, I'm sure that most of our Navigating Change audience are deer hunters. But uh, when, when you deer hunt, it's really kind of interesting, Mike. You, you, spend, you spend money to buy equipment. You, you uh, spend a lot of time scouting. You're up there. You're freezing in, in the winter and all that. And, and Mike, you, you might have... 10,000 hours invested or a thousand hours invested in a window of opportunity to shoot a big buck that might last three seconds. <laughs> and in that window of opportunity, you either get it done or you don't. You don't get participation points. There, there's nothing you get for logging hours. You simply have put a ton of time, effort, and energy in preparing you to be successful. You know, when an NBA player shoots a free throw mm -hmm. uh, that will determine the course of a game, they're not shooting one free throw. They're leveraging hundreds of thousands of hours mm -hmm. of practice. Successful people get that. And part of the reason they succeed in those, uh, in those telling times is because they've honestly been prepared for it their whole life. Shane, you've given us some great tips. we got three to go, but as I've read your uh, thoughts on this, it feels like now we're starting to get to the point where someone who's in a rhythm of success. Yeah. And the rhythm of success comes, uh, but there can be some pitfalls that Absolutely. come with that, and there's even more to do when you're successful. Can, so can you start us out in that direction? I remember a hundred years ago, uh, David Letterman used to be a talk show host. He was interviewing Paul Simon of Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel had kind of broken up and they had not done a whole lot. And Paul Simon came out with an album called Graceland. And, and once again, it, it was selling a lot of copies. Letterman essentially asked Simon, what's it feel like to be making good music again? And Simon was offended, and he said, I've always made good music. Whether or not people buy my music has nothing to do with whether or not it's good. And so I do think there is this, this piece where we, uh, the things required to be successful become a part of what we do. The audience will swell or shrink. I remember mm. uh, there, there was a time a few years ago, if I wrote something on my blog, I'm going to have X amount of thousand people read it in 48 hours, right? I was a United Methodist then. A lot of my readership was United Methodist. When we disaffiliated from the United Methodist Church, my audience just shrunk like you wouldn't believe. Mm -hmm. When we went independent as a congregation, my audience shrunk even more. Did that define me? No. 
because I had already developed the principles it takes to be successful. So I'm gaining that audience back. Mm -hmm. I am moving to new levels. God is bringing new opportunities in. Mm -hmm. So whether or not uh, people are buying your album, after a while doesn't determine anything. It's you understanding who you are, what you are pursuing, and putting in the time, effort, energy, but more than that, the principles and the practice that are required for success. And if you have those things, you'll over, you'll, you'll survive the bad times and you'll thrive right. in the good times. And even when the good times come, you know that another bad time's just ahead. And whether that audience is expanding or shrinking, you're still doing good work. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say that, but yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. What matters is that you are doing the work, that you are pursuing right. Whatever success looks like in your heart, and you're making progress there. So Shane, someone who does start to put these into practice, uh, there's a sense maybe of entitlement that could possibly come. In term, if we just look at the whole yeah. picture here, someone who gets into a successful rhythm, is that true? And then what do you do with that entitlement? Well, I think the problem is that for a lot of people, um, you know, I remember an old Counting Crows song. It says, we all want to be big, big stars, but we've got different reasons for that. I think people have different reasons for being successful. And I hate to say this, Mike, but I do think some people want to be successful because they dream of being entitled. Hmm. And so the second they get enough success, they can start being entitled. They begin to do that. So I think truly successful people refuse entitlement. They understand entitlement is destructive. Entitlement is a soul cancer. Entitlement actually will rob you of success. And the second you become entitled, I think that is the moment you start getting less successful. So I I think the more worldly success, the more notoriety, all that you have, the more that refusing entitlement has to be conscious. I am going to refuse entitlement. I'm not going to go there. And so I do believe that that is something, when I look at people that I think are really, truly successful, Mm -hmm. Mike, they could probably be entitled if they wanted to. They refuse it. Shane, we got two left. Give back and leave a legacy. What do you mean by that? Over the years, as a pastor, one of the things that people don't realize when you're a pastor of a very large church is that you have to raise millions of dollars. And one of the things you do is you talk to people who are capable of helping you do that. And in the definition of the world, a lot of these people are financially successful people. And they give. And I think people who don't give would say, well, of course they give. They're rich. None of these people started giving once they made it. They've always been giving. Hmm. These people were tithing $1,000 a year when they were making $10,000 a year. God has just taken what they've given him and he's blessed it over and over. And now they just have a whole lot more to bless. So one of the things that we got to remember is generosity is one of the things that is required for success. Hmm. Generosity is a virtue successful people have practiced all along. It's one of the components of success. So if you're out there thinking, once I make it, I'm going to get really generous. No, you won't. Once you make it, you'll buy a bigger boat because those are your core values. 
Generosity begins with nothing, and it becomes everything. You know, I talked to just a financial, our financial about me and Valerie's just the other day, and he said it's crazy. You know, he has he's managing these funds that have people have millions and millions of dollars. Other people have a lot less, and he's like, it's really there's a certain amount of money that people make, and happiness after that is more happiness is marginal at best. Yeah, and it was that's right. Uh, let's say let's say you don't have enough to eat, and you get a small meal. You're grateful, right? And then you get a little bit more, and you get a medium-sized meal, and you're grateful. And then you get even more, and now you got a really big meal, and you're grateful. But there is a point at which you can't eat anymore. And there is a point that there becomes a psychology around that excess. And I think there is a point at which that begins to erode from your happiness. Mm -hmm. Someone said to me yesterday, they said, hey, I know money's the root of all evil. That's really not what it says. It says the love of money Mm -hmm. is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're eating to live, you're good. If you're living to eat, there's going to be a point at which there is going to start, you're starting to getting on a deteriorating orbit. Mm -hmm. And I think it happens with finances as well. One of the antidotes to that is to be generous. Be generous. Be generous. Finally, Shane, um, you say leave a legacy. Leave a legacy. What do you mean? When I talk to successful people, I discover that they did not start doing these things that we've been talking about these last two shows once they got successful. These are the things that helped them become successful. Jesus asked a question, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? And I think that's a question we have to answer. If success is social standing, you know, you just you just jazz up your social media presence <laughs> all day long. Yeah. If success is accumulation, you know, I hope your house is 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 full and your pathways are narrow as you go from room to room. But successful people are going to emerge from this life with legacy secured, relationships strong, their souls intact. And they're going to know that they've moved the needle in some significant way in the time they spent on this earth. Well, thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. We would love for you to subscribe, share, and review our podcast. If you'd like to hear more from Shane or I, find us on Facebook or visit our websites, RevShaneBishop.com or RevMikeWu.com. We'll talk with you next time and make sure that you keep the change. <laughs>